God is able. That's the title of the sermon. God is able to do what? All things, anything, some things. He can do whatever he needs to do, can't he? The lesson this morning is really about what God is able to do in our lives individually. And the last verse of scripture that was read, he's able to do all those things. Remember that part of that? We'll talk about that in a couple of minutes. But I want you to think with me a few minutes about what God can do in your life and what he's able and capable to do. Last week, we shared a few verses of scripture with you from this passage, a couple of verses ahead, but it all begins with you. It begins with our heart, our decision, the choices that we make in our own hearts and minds in order for God to work with us. We need to expect the unexpected, and we should be willing to do our part to excel in this grace of giving. Do you remember that expression, excel in the grace of giving? And then this is a test of the emergency broadcasting system. Remember, this is a test that we are all going through because God is testing us. He's wanting to see what we are doing. You remember the Old Testament passage where God says, test me in this? What did he say? What was that, in the book of Malachi, if I'm not mistaken? Something about testing me in this and see if I won't open up the floodgates of heaven. Do you remember all of that? Yeah, well, this is still a test. This is a test for us in our world today. He talks about finishing the work. We need to finish the work that we started. I'm going to confess, I haven't really sat down. Bob, you you were an elder when we built this building, yes? Chuck, were you an elder when we built this building? You, You were, okay. And I think Clint was as well. Clint's not with us. I haven't sat down with either one of you guys and had a conversation, but if you'll allow me, um, oh, you were too? Oh, all right. This makes it a whole different conversation. (laughs) I haven't had a chance to sit down with these guys and, and say, okay, what were you thinking when we decided to build this building? I haven't done that. Bad on me. So I'm just going to speculate. Can I? A little bit of, of, uh, what do they call it? Artist grace or whatever they call it, uh, there's a word for that. I forget what it is. Anyway, but I know that I'm guessing that when we built this building, there was a reason. We'd outgrown maybe the other facility. Maybe we wanted a little bit nicer facility. I'm even guessing. This is just pure speculation on my part. But I'm thinking that if we're going to build a building that looks this nice, we would expect to fill it up. Is that reasonable? I mean, is that, wasn't, isn't that always the goal of a church to try to fill up a building? Yeah. Maybe with three services on a Sunday, wouldn't that be a cool problem to have? We might need another song leader or two, because I don't know if Brandon would want to lead singing that often, and we might need another preacher too, because I don't want to preach three times in a day. But we got to finish the work. Whatever it is that we decide to do in, the hearts, in our hearts with giving, we need to finish the work. And we've talked about a little bit in the past about finishing the work of this because we still have a little bit of a mortgage hanging over our heads. And we'll talk about that some more in another day. But then most importantly, I, I close out the sermon and I ask you to choose joy. You remember that? You remember that part about choosing joy? Remember this song? You guys remember this? Handful of you even clapped at the end of this song because you thought it was a cool song. I got emails from somebody. I'm, I'm not going to play it all today for you. You can go listen to it online. Yeah, you're disappointed. I know. But I just wanted to remind you again of that song because some of you got a kick out of it. You even sent me notes and said, hey, I shared this with a lot of people. That's cool. That's what I wanted you to do. But I want us to realize that we have to express joy in our lives. We have a choice to make. We get to decide. 
You know, a lot of people go through lives and they think that they think that things will be better when something out there happens, when something outside of us changes. Have you ever noticed that about people? When when this happens, then I will. You ever, you ever have you ever had that thought yourself? Whenever my ship comes in, then I'll be able to get out of debt. Okay? Or whenever I get a new job, things will be better for me. Or when my kids get through high school, things will be easier for me. Or when my kids get grown and they're on their own, then life will be easier for me. Or if my kid learns how to fly cross country, it'll be easier for me. Congratulations, by the way. I heard you did great on the solo. Congratulations. So all I'm offering is that so many times we think that there's something outside of us that's going to change what's inside of us. And the reality is, especially with this grace of giving, it comes from inside of us. It begins in us. And if you want to know the truth about it, it begins in us and it stays in us and it even ends in us because we have to decide how we are going to choose to live in this world of giving. That's what it's all about. Paul continues in 2 Corinthians 9. He says, there's no need for me to write to you about this service, for I know your eagerness to help. I know your eagerness to help. I don't know how many of us are eager to give anything to anybody. I really don't. I wonder sometimes how eager we are to do anything like that. I wonder how serious we are about paying off the debt of this building. I wonder if anyone is eager to write a check. I wonder if you're eager to help your neighbor. I wonder if you're eager to help the person that's on the street corner that needs some assistance. I just wonder how often and how willing we are eager to help anyone sometimes. But Paul writes to this, these brothers in Corinth and he says, I know that you are eager to provide this gift to the saints. So I just want you to do a little self-reflecting. And I want you to consider the eagerness that you may have in your life of giving. Because that comes from in here. It doesn't come from outside. It starts inside. And the, and the heart has to make decisions. The mind has to make decisions as to how we're going to live. Are you enthusiastic about giving? I've been boasting about this to the Macedonians, telling them that since last year you and Acacia were ready to give and your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to give. Enthusiasm is contagious. It is contagious. Have you, any of you watched any of the basketball games recently? That's, I mean, the game yesterday between Purdue and who was that other team? Yeah, Virginia. That was an amazing game. Last second shot, the dude nails it for two points and they go into overtime and guess who wins? Virginia. And did you see the Duke game? It was an amazing finish. Duke shouldn't be in the final four. They ain't that good. Pardon my grammar. I know, but they're just not. But they keep winning. And that enthusiasm is contagious. Lynn and I watched a little bit of a baseball game yesterday on television. Somebody was playing the Oakland A's. Was it? Yeah, oh, yeah, the Angels. Yeah, that was it. Not a very enthusiastic game. Just saying. Half the, half the stadium was empty. I kept looking at the screenshot, you know, the, the television camera shot of the pitcher. And I'm like, there's nobody in those stands. There was nobody in that whole section of the stadium. Now, I know it was cold. I understand that about Oakland. I was there last week. It was cold and rainy. I get it. But there's no enthusiasm in that game. There's just nothing there. Let me tell you, enthusiasm is contagious. It is contagious. When we as a people collectively or individually begin to really experience this joy of giving, guess what's going to happen? 
There's going to be a whole different air about this place. There'll be a whole different atmosphere. When people come in that building from wherever they've come, however often they come, there's going to be a sense about this place that is different. There's an energy that will be different if enthusiasm shows up. Now, we can give generously or grudgingly. Is your gift ready as a generous gift or one who's grudgingly giving? I'm going to meddle a little bit this morning. Okay? There are some people that I know who don't ever seem to be able to get their financial house in order. They just don't ever seem to get it in order. And they're always worried about having enough money for this and having enough money for that and having enough money for this or having enough money for that. I'm going to offer to you a suggestion. You don't have to take my advice. You don't have to at all. It's okay. You won't hurt my feelings. But I'm just going to share this with you. Until you're willing to let go of what you have, nothing more is coming to you. Until you're willing to let go of what you have, nothing more is coming to you. That's just a biblical principle. It just is. You have to plant the seed. I started to bring them, but I was afraid I would damage them. I have five buckets on my boat that have tomato plants growing in them. I know it's weird to have tomatoes on a boat. I understand that. And I'm concerned about them because the leaves at the bottom are beginning to turn yellow. So I don't know if I've watered them too much or too little or if the soil is just bad, I don't know. But I have tomato plants on my boat. Do you realize that the probability of me ever harvesting any tomatoes on my boat would have been zero if I'd never planted a tomato seed? Do you realize that? And do you understand that that same principle that applies to that applies to everything else in our lives when it comes to giving? It is a law. It is a law of God that when you sow, you reap. If you do not sow, you do not reap. And if we hold on to the whatever we got, even if it's a little bitty bit, if we hold on to it like it's the only thing we've got, we will never move beyond having a little bit. Unless you're willing to let it go, you're never going to have more. And I know that's hard. I remember sitting on the back stoop of a port or, that Lynn and I lived on in Montgomery, Alabama. It was a house we lived in, a little bee house in Montgomery. And I, really, I literally remember counting out 87 cents that I had to my name. And she needed milk and bread for the kids. This was before we learned that milk's not so good for you. I had 87 cents. I have no idea how we made it through some of those times. But I know this about her, and I know this about me. We never stopped giving. We never stopped giving. And we didn't always give money away, because I didn't have any money to give away. But I remember her offering a comment. It's hard to say complaining, but that wouldn't be a good thing to say. About how many people lived with us. Because we just take people in. We would take them in. And they would stay with us. And we would feed them and provide housing for them and all kinds of stuff. And I could probably write a whole other book just on people that have lived with us, come to think of it. We've never stopped giving. But we always seem to have more than what we needed. And I don't understand that. There was a period in our lives where we, we had a house in Way up in Forsyth County, we had another house down by the school where the kids were going, and I bought the second house because my kid was turning 16, and there was no way I was going to let him drive 47 miles one way and take an hour and a half to drive to school. He would be killed. He wasn't a good driver. 
So we bought another house. And I have no idea. I have no idea how we pulled it off financially to live in a house in the country and have a house in the city and preach on the weekends and come down and work at the school during the week. I don't know how we did it financially because I went back and looked at the numbers and they don't make any sense. But we never stopped giving. You can't do this grudgingly. I have $22 in my pocket and I don't know what I'm going to do with it today. I don't know if I can give it. I don't know. I need to hold on to it. For what? Do you not think God can provide you with more? But if you keep holding on to what you have, He will never give you anything else. He is able. More than able. But He's not going to do it if you don't play by the rules. And the rules are, you can't begrudgingly give anything. It's got to be generous. So here's the verse of Scripture. Don't you love the way I did the fonts on this thing? Remember this, whoever sows sparingly, that's dinky little print because it takes a dinky little mind to sow sparingly. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. So are you sowing sparingly or generously? I only had one packet of tomato seeds, but I planted all the seeds and all them things came up. And you know what? If I just get two tomatoes, only two tomatoes, I will have recouped all of my seed. But there will be so many more that we get to eat and share with other people. Why do we think, why do we think that planting gardens or planting crops is any different than planting money? It is the same principle of sowing and reaping. There is no difference. It's just what's the different seed? What's the different seed? That's the only difference. And by the way, did you know that most paper money came from plants? It's a plant byproduct. I don't know how they make it with all those funny colors in it and those ribbons anymore, but it's mostly, it's mostly plant-based. Guys, you and I have got to be generous people. And not just to pout the mortgage of this beautiful building. It's so that all of these people who are around us can recognize and see the confession of our life in Christ. That's what it really comes down to. They need to see who we are. I hate to say this, but I'm just telling you, there are a lot of people, they show up on church for Sunday. They go home and they just live their life. And I'm not even sure God shows up much because they just don't do anything. They get up in the morning, they have their coffee, they make their toast, they go to work, they do their job, they come home, they have a little dinner, play with the cat, pet the dog, watch a little TV, take a shower, go to sleep, get up in the morning, they have coffee, they eat their toast, they go to work. Does this sound familiar to anybody? And we go through all of that, and oh, and then Sunday morning rolls around, we show up. And I'm offering to you to consider that there's so much more about living a life of giving than that. God says we should be a cheerful giver. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, but God loves a cheerful giver. So are you cheerful? Are you a cheerful giver? Do you get a kick out of giving stuff away? Now, I know some of you have a lot of stuff. Because I've been to some of your houses, and you've got a lot of stuff. What happens when you die? 
with all your stuff. Somebody's got to clean out your house. Somebody's got to clean out your storage. They've got to figure out what to do with your bank accounts and all the stuff that you have. Somebody's got to do that. But guess how much you're going to take with you? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. You might not even have the shirt on your back. Because if you're too big, they cut the back out when they put it on you in the casket, and they don't even send the back of your shirt with you. That's the truth. I'm just telling you straight. That's the truth. You men think you're going to be buried in your suit. You ain't going to get the whole thing. It's too hard to turn you over. You ain't going to get it all. I'm just telling you. They might not even put shoes on your feet. Just saying. I've been there. I know. God loves a cheerful giver. What have you got? I just want you to think about this. Just close your eyes with me just a minute. Just close your eyes. And I want you to just, I want you to go into your living room. In your mind, in your mental mind, I want you to walk through your living room. And I want you to look through the room. And I want you to see the things that you haven't used in three or four or five or six months. <coughs> and then go into each room in your house. And just envision those things that are there that are holding the shelves in place. Or holding the floor covering down. Or, or holding that bookcase in place. All of those things that you have. Who might be blessed if they had that? And should I even talk about your checking account? Or your investment portfolios? See, nobody likes to talk about this. Let me rephrase that. Nobody likes to hear about this because I'm the one talking about it. Nobody likes to hear this stuff. But do you realize that Jesus himself talked more about money than he did any other topic? Matter of fact, most of them combined. Do you realize that? Jesus talked many, many, many times more about money than he ever did about somebody being saved. I'm just telling you, that's a fact. Go study your Bible. There is more conversation that Jesus had with people about their money and what to do with it or what not to do with it or how to live with it or how not to live with it than there ever is about him saying, believe in me and you'll be saved. That should tell you something about how God wants us to live and how he wants us to guide our lives and, and govern our lives and decide how we're going to live our lives. It should help. So God is able, verse 8 of chapter 9, God is able <coughs> to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. What did he leave out? What did Paul leave out? He didn't leave out anything. That's what I dislike about Paul. He chooses all those words that are so all-encompassing and all, you know, the big broad brushstroke stuff. And you got no options. You got nowhere to go. You got nowhere to turn. He says, God is able to do this. He can give you all that you need so that you will abound in every good work. <coughs> Here's the rub. Just because he's able doesn't mean he will. Because through all of these verses of Scripture leading up to this statement that Paul makes about how God is able, he has all of these expectations of us. We are supposed to be cheerful. 
We're supposed to be generous and enthusiastic and eager, and we're supposed to choose joy and be a joyous person. We're supposed to expect the unexpected and excel in the gift of giving, and we need to be willing to finish the work that we've started. And then, and then, God is able. You see, we think, I think mistakenly, we think that because we're Christians, all we have to do is say, oh God, help me. Oh God, bless me. And the gates of heaven will open and the showers will flow down and fill our barns. And that is not how it works. That wasn't even how it worked in Malachi. You guys remember that story? I think that we were supposed to give something there, weren't we? before God would do all the great things that he's done. And I think you and I are expected here by the Apostle Paul's writing, inspiration of the Holy Spirit, guys. This is the Bible. This is the Word. And God is asking us to live this way. And if we live this way, look what happens. (coughs) We get all this stuff. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, Build about in every good work. So what's your good work? You see, I'm telling you guys, he ain't going to give you anything. Terrible grammar, wasn't it? He's not going to give you anything. He ain't giving you nothing. Unless we live the way we're supposed to live. Unless we let go of what we've got. Unless we plant the seed. That's the reality of God being able. That's how he blesses people. He takes people that are giving themselves to him, that are joyous, that are cheerful, that are willing to finish the job, that have expectations of the unexpected. And he blesses them because they first gave themselves to the Lord. And then all of these things come. And yet we live our lives too often, too long, holding on to that which we have, thinking that if we hold on it and if we manage it well, it will exceed our expectations and we'll have all this stuff. And I'm telling you, it doesn't work like that because God is not in that. He's asked us to give him this first. God is able when we are cheerful. God is able when we are generous. God is able and to, when we are enthusiastic and eager, when we're willing to finish the job that we've started, then, then he will come to you and he will bless you with all that you need. But if we hold on, the doors stay closed. He's able to do anything within his will, within his power. He can do anything. But he's given us some directives as to how we should live. And I'm asking you, church, to consider how you live. So he's able. There's no doubt. He is more than able. But you and I have to come to the table. We have to come to the table and show him by our actions, by our deeds, by our commitment to living joyous, cheerful, expectant lives, enthusiastically, generously giving, then he'll be able and he'll bless us beyond what we can ever imagine or think. I have no idea how my finances have all worked out. I don't know. But the stuff just keeps showing up. It just keeps showing up. And I know that happens because that little lady that I've been married to for 40 years and I, since the beginning, have been givers. And we have given to people and given to people and given to people and given to people 
and giving to people. And God keeps showing up and filling the bucket. And he keeps showing up and filling the bucket. And he keeps showing up and filling the bucket. And I, I got to be honest with you. <clears throat> I'm not a millionaire. I don't have any desire to be a millionaire. Because if I really had a desire to be a millionaire, I'd already be one. You understand what I'm saying? It's not my desire. I asked God a long time ago, hey, give me the ability to live a quiet life working with my hands so that I may have something to share with others. And he has blessed us. I just want you to experience the joy of Christ and God by giving. It is an amazing way to live. There's nothing else like it. There's nothing that will give you greater peace and joy at night than knowing that today, somehow, somewhere, somehow, with somebody, you were able to bless them. Not because they asked you for something, but because you were able to do it, because you wanted to do it, and you got to go do it. It's an amazing way to live. God is able. Brandon's going to come and lead us in the song. There's a new anointing. As we sing this, I just want you to all be aware that you can have a new anointing today. You can make a decision to change. <clears throat> and I'm telling you, it's not coming from outside of you. It's coming from inside of you. The ability to change your life, the ability to change what you're going to do with this idea of giving all comes from in here. God's not going to move heaven and earth to give you the lottery winning so that you all of a sudden can go give that money away. It doesn't work like that. It starts inside. It starts with the decisions that you make in your heart and mind. That anointing can be yours. Will it come that easy? If the Holy Spirit needs it to, it can. Will it take some time? Yeah, it'll take some time for some of it because you're just hard-headed. And you've been doing what you've been doing for a very, very long time, and it's going to take some time to break the edges off of you. It's going to take some time to break through that heart of stone that was mentioned in that video. It'll take time to break some of that down. But if you start and you commit... It can happen. God needs us to be a giving church in way more ways than just paying on the mortgage. He needs us to be a giving church because the world around us needs to see some people who believe and who can live the confession of Christ every day in their lives. So I invite you to stand and sing the song and encourage one another as we do. If we can help you in prayer in any way, please come and let us know. Amen.